Do you know what it feels like? Do you know what it feels like? So good. How many times have you guys turned that song on in a car wash? I've actually never done it. it. I probably probably should next time. I do it almost every time I pull in now. Do you really? Yeah, I think about you. I don't want the sound from from Robin (laughs) Big. I want Chase singing that. Welcome to Bench Reactions, an NBA podcast brought to you by Devereaux Wigs, where the wigs aren't made from hair <laughs> off dead bodies. Yes. Uh. Oh, incredible. I'm your host, Chase Baker, and I'm joined today by Jason Lamprecht, Dan Lyons, and Patrick Kirby. So today we're going to go around the league. We're going to give a little update on the <laughs> race to the basement as we've been referring to it. And of course we'll wrap up with our weekly mud pie moment of the week. But uh, you know, we've, we've, we've been, we've been deep in uh, talk about the all-star fan voting returns. And I think we're on the third return now, third fan returns coming in released a couple of days ago. And of course, LeBron is still leading the West in popular fan voting. Giannis is ahead of KD <laughs> by, you know, hundred thousand votes, but, uh, there's been some interesting new entries into this list. And of course, you know, the Lakers fans are gonna, you know, vote for whoever <laughs> they're going to vote for baby. to get folks on the list. <laughs> same, same with the Warriors fans, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna find a way to get someone on there, uh, on their list as well. But, uh, I'm, I, I want to hear who stands out to everybody on that list. It, uh, I mean, has Lowry always been seventh? Cause that's a solid showing for a Utah jazz player who is toiling in semi-mediocrity. You know, that's, uh, that's, that's a and, good and, point. Well, when Looney, Looney being in the top 10 is just silly. <laughs> And the Andrew Wiggins at five. Well, I mean, the Austin Reeves stand here. <laughs> hey, put some respect <laughs> on Austin Reeves' name, okay? <laughs> like, I, his back must be hurting from carrying any non-LeBron no, minutes. Right now. This is what we that talked about, has. though, is that, like, is that there's a way to do this. And the, I, I understand the Warriors fans don't get it because they haven't been good long enough. Um, or, and they right. haven't actually had, they haven't had a large fan base for long enough. Um, cool. But when you're the popular team, there's a way to do it. And the way to do it is you don't vote for like boring players like Kevon Looney or players who are like good enough to like be close to the all-star game. So it's not really a joke. <laughs> make it make sense. It, Warriors fans. It make it make sense. Do. It has to be funny. It has to be yes. f- funny. It, and like, come on, Looney is not funny. You know, it would be funny. Austin Reeves being the All-Star <laughs> kid. <laughs> it would be awesome. Alex Caruso being the All-Star game. He, he's actually too good at this point for it to be a joke. But back when we first started voting for him, it was funny enough. So, yeah. So, so you're basically saying that Lakers fans also have a better sense of humor <laughs> than Warriors fans. Are they better on first dates? Are they better at introductions to the parents? Are they better at what else are they better uh, at? Jason? We're better at uh, mobilizing Blow, blowing for- leads in the fourth quarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! We're recently, we're just kidding. We're recently winning winning games. Okay. That's we're, true. Be- we're better at bullying our players into playing better. That's for sure. They're better um, at not uh, not offering like Dennis Schroeder enough money. Oh, that was, that was they too did far, dodge a bullet yeah. there. So yeah. Yeah. Come on. No, 
You, you know what's too Dan, far? Come Our on. sixth man of the year, Russell Westbrook, being the sixth leading vote getter. That is not. <laughs> that is too far. I know. That's the thing. It's like, I feel like that's not Lakers fans. I feel like that's his fans, you know? <laughs> Yes. I don't know that, how much yes. overlap uh, there is there. I don't know if I, you're posting I actually, I account for uh, 900,000 of those 973,000 <laughs> votes for him. Oh, yeah. So, you, oh, so yeah, you're the that one that created 300,000 accounts. All day. Press, press, uh, press, 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 press. Yeah. Especially on the three yep. times voting where oh, your vote yeah. is worth three times. I just times really wish we, had a, yep. I wish we had I a Kings it. fan on this pod, podcast so that we c- I could talk about how Austin Reeves has more votes than De'Aaron Fox. <laughs> Dude, that is really, really brutal. In- Truly where's, where's Sabonis? I mean, Sabonis is 10. He is. And well, 10, 10 in the front court. A respectable 686, still still getting beat by Kevon Looney, though. <laughs> also, the, the Laker fan voting is also influence, influencing the East because you know a lot of those Kyle Kuzma votes are us mobilizing. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Hold on, I got to say this. We are now joined... By Mr. Dime Zachary Yo. Burnham. Let's go. Who's, who's been able? He's made it. He's made it, and he hasn't missed too much. We just barely kicked this off. Dime Zach, Zach about you had five minutes gloves ago. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> just go. Just go. <laughs> yeah, my, my hands are kind of warm. <laughs> Man. Uh, we're talking a little all star all star voting, awesome. Zach. So you're joining perfect. at the perfect time. Perfect. We were mostly talking nice. about the the Lakers and how ridiculous it is that they have so many people <laughs> that are either on the current Lakers team or used to be a Laker like Kyle Kuzma. And and Jason made the point that, uh, and, and I, I actually totally agree with this. Like the Lakers make it like, it's a thing pick like the favorite player that like maybe isn't actually an all-star and vote him up. Whereas the Warriors, like their fans voted Kavon Looney <laughs> up the lists. Like, it's not funnier. It's just like, no, like why? So him? Have you guys like, actually not, voted? I have. So you know how it works. Yeah. What what these guys do is they go in and they just vote the five guys from their starting yeah. lineup. That's why Kevon Looney's getting votes. Yeah, yeah. I, it is pretty I, funny yeah. to to see team social media like you know somebody on the team will do something cool and they're like all star vote Ty Jerome all star voting. Click on this link. <laughs> but that's that's what I'm saying is the Warriors are are not, our Warriors fans aren't doing it right because we're not doing our starting lineup. Like you're doing the best at this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you understand. You understand. I do the best at this. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Schroeder ain't getting votes. Um, That's yeah. true. That's true. Is there like is there beef between Warriors fans and uh, Jokic, Nikola mm. Jokic? Could this be like an fu to to just not like in spite of Jokic, just to try and like not get him votes to to be in the starting five? It would be pr- it would be hilarious to see. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be very petty and like amazing if it's just like, look, okay, we've got Kavan, but like we don't want Jokic to to be like the top voted center, so we're gonna vote Kavan. Weirdly, Draymond. Yeah, Draymond doesn't have that many votes. He's he's eighth, I guess, but yeah, he's gotta he's gotta go on the podcast a little bit more. I think he'll get some more votes that way. <laughs> yeah, I, and go to some. I want to think it's too, about not punching your teammate classes. <laughs> Anger management. Yep. Pool actually isn't high. So it, 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 to Zach's point, they're clearly just doing their starting lineup because Pool isn't in the top ten. Come on, come on, Warriors fans, use a little, t- a little tact, a little strategy here. Thank, 
It is it is important to remind the uh, to note that uh, the fans again for folks listening that it's not crystal clear. Fans do account for fifty percent of the vote for the starters, right? Current players and a media panel get votes that accounts for twenty five percent each. And of course, I think voting is done tonight, right? We're recording this January twenty first Saturday, it's over. right? It's so it's, it's officially uh, over. This is going to get announced next week. I have a I have a question I want to yeah. ask you guys about. Did you guys see uh, Aaron Gordon's quote where he says if he is picked for the All Star team, he'll do the dunk contest? Didn't he say that no. last year no too? I feel oh, like he man. says that. Did he every, say that? Maybe I don't know. I like the strategy. He has, this he has year, a case. This year, he actually has a case, and the dunk contest is like <laughs> as lame as it's ever been. Yeah. It's because Lori Martin is not in it. <laughs> well, let's go around the league, shall we? Goes a little something like this, right? Three of us got we got questions for the pod today. We're gonna go one by one. Whoever throws out the question will give their answer and thoughts around that question, and then we'll all jump in to share our takes. Right? Let's. Uh, Let's kick this off with uh, with you, Mr. Dirty Dan. What do you got? What's your take from around the league? All right. So my question for this week is, are the Nuggets and the Grizzlies, have they separated themselves from the pack in the West? Are they kind of our clear-cut top two teams in the West? And my answer is definitely. So I have some important evidence to cite first. First, did anybody see the, the Nuggets three dunks in a row last night? That clip that I sent everyone in the group chat? First of all. Yeah. I have a, t- I have a tendency yeah, 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 to yeah, actually yeah. click on the links that you guys send and watch. Uh, <laughs> shots, shots fired. Shots fired. Dan, Dan doesn't have time for this. He's in a band now. He's a rock star. He's a rock star. <laughs> Shout out D- Danny of the Kids. Dan was Spotify. in the studio. Let's keep going. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Hey. No, but, but in, in all seriousness, the Nuggets have everybody back, right? Jamal Murray is starting to look like Jamal Murray again. He's playing. Both of his knees are intact. Michael Porter Jr.'s back isn't completely broken. And they obviously have uh, Jason's favorite center, Nikola Jokic, playing, c- continuing to play super well. Even though their their defense isn't ranked super high right now. They've been playing a lot better over the last like 10 games or so. Their offense continues to hum along and they are just looking great. The Grizzlies, notwithstanding the fight between Shannon Sharp and team rant last night and, and, and losing that game just continue to, to look really good and they're contenders, right? Um, the Pelicans and the Kings are the closest in record to, to both of them. But I think that the, the Grizzlies and the Nuggets are cut above. Both the Grizzlies and the Nuggets have a lot to prove this season. Obviously, with the, the Nuggets making the conference finals a few years ago, lo- looking to return. The Grizzlies looking to make it really even past the second round. Uh, both, both teams have a ton of potential. But now this is kind of rubber meets the road. stuff. So these, these games are really, really going to matter. I expect them to, to continue to play really, really competitively because they both have chips on their shoulders. They both have things to prove. It's sort of put up or shut up for both of these guys or both of these teams this season. I, I would just agree. I would say I would say that just, just mathematically, it's going to be tough for anyone to even get into the tier with them if we're just talking regular season. I mean, there's a five-game gap between Memphis and Sacramento. It's a, just a big gap for this this far into the season. I mean, there's a lot of lot of games to be played in, but it seems like everyone below them has 
the order changes every few days, every couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, all of a sudden, the Pelicans are struggling, mostly without Zion. Obviously, it's not super surprising, but they're starting to fall back to the pack. I, I, I did, having seen the a lot a lot of Kings basketball recently, I, I'm not confident that this is. Um, they're, they're on some sort of uh, rocket ride until the rest of the season. I think they're probably going to fluctuate too, based on the schedule. Um, they lost to Phil. They lost to Philly tonight without Harden and without Embiid at home. Yeah, not a great sign. Yeah, Again, can't can't let, can't like the beam. So after that. I, I think you're you're right, especially when it comes to the regular season, that it's those two teams and it's everybody else, and it's literally everybody else because. You know the Lakers. The Lakers are oh. as close to the Kings as the Kings yes. are to the Grizzlies, basically. That's oh yeah, four, four through twelve in the West is yeah four through thirteen. And to add to the bit about mathematics, um, it's also not even close in regards to a key indicator that goes into more or less determining how successful a team will be in the playoffs. Memphis and Denver both only have three home losses on the entire season. Mm -hmm. Denver are 22 and three at home. Memphis is 20 and three. And, you know, again, like no one else is really that close. Actually the next best team, at least with the least amount of losses at home, are the Suns and then fall fall closely behind OKC? <laughs> I think the Warriors so, are actually um, next, right? Yeah. The Warriors they've got five losses at at home. They just poop the bed every time they play away. So mm. there's that. Yes. Yep. It's yeah. And they've even they're even separating themselves with the amount of wins also with the with the amount of losses that they yeah. have. I, I and maybe you you said this, Dan, and if so, I completely missed it. But I think the thing about Denver, too, is one of our biggest worries up to this point has been that their defense has been really, really bad. Very porous, you might say. Um, and they've they've <laughs> definitely started to pick that up. I think I read somewhere. Maybe I heard it somewhere that in the last 10 games or on this winning streak, they're. Or it was the it was the Kirk Goldsberry stat that you right. guys sent out. Yeah. They're like third mm-hmm. third oh, or yeah, fourth yeah. in defense over their last ten games. So they're showing, or maybe fifth, but they're showing an ability to actually lock in on that end of the floor. And if they can do that, they were already winning games, being like the twenty fifth best defensive team in the league. So if they can pick up their defense and sustain that, that on top of uh, and you guys kind of made this point already, but I'll I'll sort of back you up. I I just I look at. All these other teams, I mean, I think the Kings, really fun story. I'm not sure how sustainable that's going to be. I think they're, I think they'll continue to be solid throughout the year, but I don't see them like propelling themselves up into the, the, the top, one of the top two seeds. Pelicans, their in, in, injuries have been well documented. I think Brandon Ingram is supposed to come back mm-hmm. soon, but Brandon Ingram and Zion have like barely played together since Zion came into the league. Dallas, I don't believe in at all. The the Timberwolves, we've talked about them a ton. <laughs> Clippers, bad vibes. Golden State is super uneven. I mean, yeah, you just go down the entire list, and I just I don't see anybody else that the playoffs will be a different story. I think, yeah. but for regular season, mm-hmm. I I'm, I think it's the the Grizzlies and the the Nuggies. Yeah. To to your point, quickly about Denver's defense, um, having. They have some really they have some plus defenders with Aaron Gordon. They've got KCP. I think Michael Porter Jr. will always be a, a a minus on defense, at least until he gets his head screwed on straight. But you know that Bruce Brown. They 
And, you know, Jokic, and we, we've talked about this before, is never going to be like an amazing defender, but can be good enough. And so I think that they, you know, I think their defense, you know, has been putting it together and will continue to put it together through the rest of the regular season. Not as good as the Grizzlies, obviously, but, you know, you want to have a better offense than, than defense anyway. But, yeah, I, I like the way that the Nuggets have been looking the last bit and will continue to look moving forward. we got to give the T-Wolves a little bit of... Uh... A little bit of respect for climbing uh, into the top six. Uh, yeah, we've done a right. lot of we've done a lot of hating. Yeah, pretty soon we probably need to match that with a little bit of praise. And I'll, I'll praise one thing, which is Anthony. Those two Anthony Edwards. Oh dunks yeah, tonight. Oof, boy, dude, those were man, baptized Shangoon twice. Oh, I mean, twice. nothing oh, counts twice. that happens against the Rockets, but. Uh, <laughs> we'll get to them later. Don't you worry. Don't you worry. Especially Bronze It didn't 45. show up in the win column. I, I don't I understand. Will know the, the interesting there. thing about the Timberwolves, again, Jason just said something positive. I'm going to throw, <laughs> throw some negativity out, as I, as I do. A lot of this, uh, this propelling themselves forward has come without one Rudy Gobert in the lineup. So, <laughs> yeah. Rudy Goober. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. That's looking more and more bleak, like one of the worst trades. Anyway, sorry, I continue to pile. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saying that all season, and it just continues to make that even more true. Just <laughs> to uh, <clears throat> reframe the question, Dan, I think it's pretty clear we're all in agree in agreement that um, those are going to be the top two teams in the West in the regular season. But are those the top two teams in the West in the playoffs? Or do, do the playoffs become a totally new ball game? I think it's a new ball game, man. I, I honestly don't know what to think for the playoffs. I, I think, to, to me, it's going to be a game of matchups, and it's going to be super interesting. It'll be, um, I don't know if hilarious is the right word, but imagine, like, you know, Denver gets the one seed or Memphis gets the two seed, and they go up against Golden State the first round. So they would have right now. Not great, right? I mean, that's not great yeah, for either stuff. team. Yeah. The Suns, I mean, I, again, I don't want to... I don't want to give up completely on the Suns. They were still, a, I mean, they were a powerhouse last season. I, <laughs> I do. I, but like, hold, look, hold, if Devin Booker that. comes back healthy, if they can somewhat, you know, hold their ground over the coming months, yeah. um, I don't, I mean, and look, I'm not going to sit here and say that I believe that they're going to make a run in the playoffs, but they're still not an easy out if somebody matches up with them in the playoffs. Luca. If you I mean, look at them one through 10, if you look at the Suns one through 10, they might still have the best roster in the West. If they can yeah, move they Crowder into that to replace Crowder situation, at the four. exactly. Yeah. yeah, but they have they have Crowder and a couple other contracts plus all four of their picks. Like they could go out and do. Something and it wouldn't take real. much yeah, for right. them to get into even the four or five. There are a couple games out of that, and with I mean, their their whole plummet has happened with Devin Booker out, and and so they get him back. They figure that out. I think they can definitely climb into that four or five and be a real problem yeah. in the second round for either of these two top teams. I'm, I'm coming around on what you've said before, Jason, that this is sort of a make or break yeah. year for Jokic as, and his stake as best player in the league. Denver is starting to look like the best team in the West and almost on par with some of those East teams. If they don't go to the finals at least uh, and, and are competitive in the finals with those East teams, I think because well, yeah, this parity in the West kind of cuts both ways, right? We, we're saying that anybody could um, can kind of climb into the towards the top, but also that parity also means that nobody should be that threatening. Nobody has really made a case that 
that Denver shouldn't beat them. And so, yeah, exactly the way you're saying. No excuses. Let's go to uh, mm-hmm. let's go to Pat. What you got next? Uh, ah, what you got coming up, boys? <laughs> I've been. I feel like I've been <laughs> at least semi-tempered when it comes to the Oklahoma City Thunder and my love for them, and you know my 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 bias towards them. But this is going to be a completely unbiased or completely biased, subjective, unhinged question. <laughs> so my question is. Can the Thunder be a legitimate playoff team by next year? So by the 2024 playoffs, you know, if I was crazy, I think I could potentially even make make a case that they could uh, make the playoffs this year. But I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> dial it I'm gonna dial it back just a little bit. So I'm about to I'm about to spit fire at you guys. Okay, so just get ready. So this team again, just to to to, to lay out the case here. So this team is already obviously exceeding expectations. Their over-under for the season was set at 23-and-a-half. They won their 22nd game of the season this week against Indiana. They're 22-24 and 24 now. They're doing this right now as the youngest team in the league, the entire league. They have a, they've got a better That's record wild. than the Blazers, the Bulls, the Lakers, the Zards, the Raptors. They're tied with Phoenix right now. They were, again, we, t- we just talked about how crazy the West is. They were in the 10th spot, but they got bumped. They're, they're currently right outside the play-in at the 11th spot. But again, to go back to the whole Western you know, conference parity piece, they're only a game behind the Clippers at six and then two and a half behind Dallas at five. Um, they're 17th in offense, 11th in defense. They're 11th in net rating. They have a positive net rating, which is nuts. And... Talking about strength of schedule, they've had the fourth toughest strength of schedule so far, and they have the second easiest for the rest of the season. You guys want to guess who's had the uh, the second easiest schedule so far and now has the second toughest remaining Is it schedule? The Clippers? It's the yeah. Clippers, baby. Get him out of here. Talking about the roster itself for the Thunder, they've obviously already got a marquee guy in Shea. We've talked about him, you know, my love. I say our collective love for him is well documented. I think Giddy is their second guy. He's really come on this season. He had a little bit of a slow start, but his shots coming along nicely. He's averaging 16, 8, and 6 right now in his sophomore season. You could say that out of all the sophomore guys, he's, you know, he's in the top five for sure as far as who's having the best season of those those dudes. They've got great complimentary guys, which again, I did not think I would say at this point in the, the season. They've got J dub, they've got Lou Dort. They've got Muscala, my guy Kenny Hustle, shooting 43% from three this year. They've got other random dudes that Presti pulls out of his butt, like Aaron Wiggins shooting 43 or 40% from three. Isaiah Joe? Yeah. Where did you come from? Isaiah Joe? (laughs) (laughs) I've been been married a long time ago. Uh, (laughs) 43% from three for this dude. And, And not on low attempts. I mean, he's taken like three or four a game. And their front court, their front court rotation right now, Muscala's only played 33 games. Poku's played 31. Baisley's played 28. Jeremiah Robinson Earl has played 26. Jalen Williams, Jay Will has played 13. Most notably, a guy who we've talked about many times because of da- Dan's weird fetish with feet <laughs> is Chet, who foot. has played exactly <laughs> zero games this season. So my take is if they can add some front court depth, which again, that's going to happen naturally with Chet coming back and maybe another veteran or two. This team, in my opinion, is in legitimate bit is in legitimate business. They also own a pick swap with the Clippers this year, depending on how the rest of the season goes, that could get interesting. 
and they have uh, an additional n- approximately 9,000 first rounders in the years to come. So <laughs> I feel I feel very good about this team's chances of making the playoffs next season. I rest my case. I mean, Sam Presti's got, you know, at least as many uh, bench rotation effective bench players as he has uh, <laughs> first round picks. So do we, do sounds we, true. Like I mean, you look at the success. roster, man. This team has no business being as as good as they are. It's crazy. Do we start singing the, the League Shiva song about Shay? It's like, Shay Gill, <laughs> just Alexander. <laughs> that, that's, a, this is, that's actually a question I have. Pat, obviously you made a very strong case for the supporting cast, everyone not named Shay Gilgis Alexander. How much of the current success up to this point is due to Shay? And how much would things change if, you know, he were sidelined with an injury for, for like the first no, it would completely future. It would completely yeah. fall apart. How much apart. of an impact if, would if it have was, on that If he got injured, it would completely fall apart. But I will say, Mark, Mark Dagnall, making a name for himself, man. Like, he's got a good system in place. I actually think he's a good coach, which, again, I you obviously knew nothing about this guy from the last two years because they, they were losing on purpose, so... <laughs> He really hasn't locked in on the defensive end. I think that's the noticeable difference, especially on this last run they've been on. Last, uh, last yeah, they compete. So. They they really don't. They don't get blown out very often. And they won a lot of games. I think that's why they have that positive net yeah. rating. Is because they're always in games, and it was the same way last year. They were like always in games. It was fun to watch them because you knew they were going to lose, which is good for the tanking chances and getting a good pick. But uh, it was it was also great to see competitive basketball, and now they're just kind of turning that up, and it's being competitive. But it's they're winning. I think I, I think they could certainly be a playing team this year, and I think that's where they want to be. I think they maybe they have a little bit of a yeah. uh, T Wolves moment in the play in this year, and then they come back with Chet and whoever they get from their their picks. But it is interesting to think about them not being potentially not being in the running for Wemby or Scoot when that was a huge part of what we were thinking about this season going into oh, the yeah. season. Um, but they don't, maybe they don't need him. Will Presti actually do what's necessary for the team yeah. to win next year? I wonder. Hmm. I don't know like, why he wouldn't. They, they still mean, have a ton of picks. Yeah. They still have a ton of picks that they could use. They could sign some veterans, trade for some veterans, bring guys in and build a competent roster. They could have done it this year, honestly. They didn't think they were going to be this good, but... Like, I'm wondering, like, are they going to do something at the deadline to try to win? They could make win-now moves right now. If I were Presty, I would hold off. I, I wouldn't do anything this yeah. year because, again, I know we kind of talked about this with the Magic. I think they're similar in that they're playing with house money a little bit. I would wait to see what happens the rest of this year, see what happens with our, our pick in this upcoming draft in 2023. And honestly, I'd probably wait to see how the first part of the season goes next year. But to your point, Zach, I mean, when I was – looking at the, the amount of picks that they have is absurd. And I don't, this isn't, this isn't being talked about a ton, but they also own a top four protected pick from Houston in 2024, right. which could be super juicy. So there's a lot of stuff I think they could do with Very some cool. of those picks. If they, if they wanted to bring in maybe a more established guy alongside Shay. Here's the real question. Whose pick is going to be better this year, the Clippers or the Thunder? Cause we have the Clippers pick yeah. too. What I'm hoping is that those picks end up being like 13 and 16 or something like that. So we get two mid first round guys like, and maybe J-Dub. you can package them to move up too. Cause I feel like the, I feel like the, I mean, I don't watch them nearly as much as, yeah, I, I don't Miller. watch them nearly as much as you guys do. Um, my question for you guys is, do you think 
Shay, Giddy, Chet is enough of a core that you can just roll with the other role players you have. Because my thought is like, you know, if you keep the 13th and 15th pick, those are swings. You could potentially take swings at, at, at starter level guys there. But really what you're looking for is you're filling out with rotation players. And so my thought at this point is you'd be more, you're more likely to want one of your core three or four guys with a pick this year than you would want two more Jay Wills. And there's got to be more Jalen Williams is out there. There's got to be at least one more in the draft to be able to take a swing at. Um, I don't yeah. know. So I, I would throw yeah. J-Dub into that mix yeah, of yeah. the core. I think he's definitely a starter going forward. He's going to be the three playing alongside Gideon Shea. So you have basically four or five guys. If they could get sort of a bigger four to play next to the yeah. skinnier five in, in Shet, I think that would be what we're looking for. And there are a couple guys, Jerace Walker, um, Brandon Miller's a little bit smaller, but a big wing. We need a big wing. You could, That's what we don't I just have. want to say you could throw out like any name. You could completely make up a name about somebody in the draft. And I would be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Like I know nothing. I know, I know absolutely nothing about the draft. Yeah. John Johnston Jacobs. <laughs> the yeah, ringer. Great. The ringer yeah, just released oh, their big yeah, board. Yeah. If you want to go, if you want to go read on some guys. So yeah. they also, and I, they, I had, they, they don't own the Clippers pick this year. It's a pick right, swap. True. So you'd only get one. Yeah. Oh, that's right. But that's even right, that, I mean, right. I think it's still a valid question. They, that the Clippers pick could potentially end up being better than OKC's. And they could still move up with the other picks yeah, they have in right. future years. I mean, right. you're really losing your return when you have like three or four yeah. picks in one draft. It's like mm-hmm. you only have 15 spots on your roster. And a especially if you're like this. Rusty's going to have a tough, he's going to have to make decisions, man, like tough decisions about some guys that because a lot of those guys seem like good players like yeah. they could be rotation guys on good teams you know yeah I'm, i i actually did see uh introduce myself to a brandon miller highlight video a couple weeks ago he's awesome and he looks very ready he looks very ready KOC, um okc is set him up. all the way up at number wow. three mm, on wow. their big board so that's, that's gonna be outside of okc's range that'll be wild um let's go out let's go around next to uh jason uh, our final trip around the league and right, with you. So what do you got for us? This is kind of like a little game, which is uh, sort of a buy, sell, or what's what's the like hold, stay, something like that for the third one. Uh, Dan, Dan <laughs> what is it? Banker, banker, Dan. <laughs> um, this is starting to sound like gambling lingo. Is Dan? Are we saying Dan is the expert gambler because Correct. he's in finance? I mean, you, you guys are screwed if that's the case. Numbers. <laughs> it's all numbers. <laughs> numbers. 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 <laughs> Yes. So, I don't do math. I mean, there are th- <laughs> there are three teams who, as recently as like I would say a, a couple weeks ago, um, would have felt pretty decently about being playoff teams in their respective conferences, which have just plummeted in the last you know ten games or so, or some even more when when it comes to the Suns. But these teams are in free fall, and I. I I think there are a lot of questions with all of them about what their intentions are going forward, what they're, you know, they're in different places, but so it's the, it's the Pacers, the Suns and the Blazers. Pacers have lost seven in a row. They're in a, 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 a free fall to the point where statistically they're bottom 10 in both offense and defense. Now when before they were terrible defensively and top 10 or, or pushing top 10 offensively, those losses have also just like not been, not been great. 
and well, and and even worse uh, when it comes to to having bad losses is the Blazers. They had a five game losing streak recently, which was to Minnesota, Indiana, Toronto, and Orlando, and then Cleveland. Uh, that's that's four out of five real bad Yikes. losses, and then they're on another two game losing streak at this point. These, you know, they're they're all three, and then obviously the Suns. We already talked about how rough of a time they're having without Booker. I I think they've lost. I think it's like they're like three and nine in their last twelve games, which for a team that previously was a buzzsaw in the regular season, just churning out regular season wins no matter who was on the floor. Um, they're in a really rough spot. I think there are probably locker room things going on. Obviously, Chris Paul, my my point god, has seriously declined. His age is really starting to show in a way that it hasn't in his previous Phoenix seasons. So, I mean, the, obviously, Phoenix wants to compete. They they came into the season thinking they're one of the best teams in the West. I think Portland, the moves they made in the offseason, you know, getting... Jeremy Grant, getting Josh Hart, getting filling out the rotation made that I think they thought they were going to be competitive. They're now falling. I think Indiana probably had no idea they were going to be as good as they were. <laughs> so I guess my my take is which of these teams is is falling, is going to keep falling, which of these teams is probably about to settle around where they are, and which team is we can have hope that they're going to climb back up. My take is. Phoenix, because all of this is clearly explained by Booker being out, I think Phoenix is going to climb back up. I, I I don't have a recent report on how much longer Booker is out. I, it's, I know it's not season ending. I think Portland very well may just settle around where they are, which is in that morass in the West. Probably a play-in team. Maybe they climb back up a little bit, but I think they're about where they're going to be. And then I think Indiana very well may just continue to plummet, especially since all of the rumors swirling of, of the possibilities that they, you know, throw some of their roster away for, for later picks. But yeah, I I'd love to hear what you guys think. Yeah. I'll, I'll push back against Indiana first. Cause I was looking at that. And the, the first thing that I got to say is that Tyrese Halliburton is yeah. hurt, right? He, he hasn't played like the past bit. And it turns out that uh, TJ McConnell, while like Joel Embiid, I love TJ McConnell to death. He's uh he's, he's no Tyrese Halliburton. And I'll, I'll touch on this when I get to the, the magic later. But it turns out that having somebody to organize your offense, and not just organize your offense, but like Hal Burton is either leading the league in assists or second in the league in assists, right? And so I think that when Hal Burton comes back, that's going to be like an enormous difference. With that said, I don't see Indiana making a huge push and being like, oh, hey, we're going to like kind of be, be back in the West. I think that even when Hal Burton comes back, they're going to kind of be in that, in that settling thing. But I do think that when when he does get back, they're not going to be in the free fall like in, in like in, in in the same way that they have been. I think they should free fall. I just want to <laughs> throw I just want to throw that out there. Like you've got Tyrese, you've got Benny. Why not try? I mean, at this point, to Jay's point, you've lost. What'd you say, Jason? Seven in a row. Yeah. yeah, they've lost seven in a row, and that does um, coincide. Di- why it does not coincide I mean, directly with Hal Burton being yeah. out? But they have yeah. more of a reason to just keep holding him out than the Suns would have right. with Booker. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe Hal Burton's the MVP of the season. Maybe that's what we're learning through this <laughs> process. No, I mean in all seriousness, I just think that if you could add one more legitimate young piece that's on a rookie scale contract to to those two guys, that's the direction to go rather than 
what they have been doing. I mean, I we've been I I feel like we've been saying this since the beginning of the season that this if if you're going to tank any any season and it's not Jason, you brought this up before. I don't think it's tanking on purpose, yeah. right? You're not losing on purpose. You're selling off your basically your veteran guys to bring in younger dudes to to develop them and that 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 losing is going to naturally happen. So if I were Indiana, that's a route I would go. I completely agree about Phoenix. I think Phoenix has invested too much in this current iteration of their roster to sort of go the other way. If any, if they're going to do anything, I would potentially look at moving DeAndre Ayton at some point, just because I think the it's, it's bad vibes central right now in the locker room. And I think he's a big part of that. Um, in Portland. I mean, I just, I've, I've kind of felt like since the beginning of the season that they were always destined to be a play in team. They're, they're kind of an average, like they're, they're good, but not great. We probably don't have time to, to talk through this, but I would also add Toronto to this list. I'm very, very interested to see. They've lost three mm. games in a row. They lost to Boston today by two points. They kind of threw the game at the end, which sucked, but they've got a lot of talent that they could potentially move if they wanted to uh, to go the youth movement route. We're kind of at the proverbial fork in the road in the NBA yeah. season where teams are going to decide what to do with the rest of the year. The trade deadline coming is going to change a lot of the way we analyze these teams and predict their futures. But I, I agree with what everyone said. Indiana looks like they could fall further. Portland looks like this is exactly what they were and have been all year. And Phoenix will rise somewhat. But I don't think they're a serious contender in the West or anything. You need to have chemistry to do that. I'm very interested to see what teams decide to do at the trade deadline. If any teams will really sell hard like Toronto or Indiana or or anyone to try to get into this draft because there's a lot of good guys. We talk a lot about Wemby and we talk a lot about Scoop, but there's a lot of good players in this draft. So, so it's not a lot of sellers either, right? Like that, I think if you choose to be a seller, there aren't. you could yeah. you could get a pretty penny for some of your guys. And so that's why I think some teams might kind of be surprised in that range. Like guys like even Jeremy yeah. Grant from Portland. Portland could decide to go the other way and trade grants or they hard. could do what everyone has been kind of curious that they might think about doing for five years which is they're talking about dame's future but yeah i don't think we're crossing that bridge anytime soon i'm i'm, I'm sick of even thinking yeah, about it so. yeah that guy's dying in portland <laughs> yeah. you make a you make a good point zach about you know a small handful of teams which ones will decide to be sellers right at this point, which uh, which uh, in more ways than one gets us to our next segment about the race to the cellar or the race to the basement. Race to the basement. What a transition. It's almost like these, so, it's almost like these guys grew up together. They got a little bit of a, a, con, a connection. <laughs> uh, it's like jazz, baby. It's like jazz. <laughs> Great tangents. We got to get back on our way down to the basement for the race to the basement. (laughs) The the race, the sellers who are on the race to the cellar, AKA the basement. So we talk a lot about, you know, there's a lot of good teams still teams are locks for the playoffs. Some true contenders at the very least, right? There's some teams that have like really good narratives, right? But like, what about the bad teams? Right? So we're going to dive in here on what we call the race to the basement. All right. So here's what we're going to do. Each of us have been assigned a team, five of the worst teams 
<laughs> as Pat would say, truly the pooptastic teams, right? We're all going to argue why the team we've been assigned will end up, and we've all just been assigned these. We didn't like say, oh, I'll take the, right? We've all been assigned these teams. We're going to argue why each of them should continue their race to the bottom, the slippery toboggan just lined with poop all the way down to the bottom <laughs> in the race for Wemby. Also, right? And share share a thought or two on why the future could still be bright, even though we're arguing that they should just land at the bottom of the basement of the standings. Dan, let's start right, with I, you. So I got the Orlando Magic. And actually, I want to start out with, with, their, with how you know, bright, the little, the little magic that, that they got going on already. Their front court is incredible. Like, honestly, their, their front court is really, really, really good. They got former president, Hemi Carter in Paulo <laughs> Bancaro is truly, truly incredible. Oh love, love Paulo. He's, he's already, already a, a amazing piece. Franz Wagner and Franz, is, man. is good. Bull Bull is really, really good. Right. Maybe some, Victor Wembanyama yep. light in bull bull already, you know, just just saying. So again, their their front court is is fantastic. They even have Mo Bamba in there, who is still somehow still relevant. And I think Jonathan Isaac's knees are still on ice at, somewhere. Anyway, front court looks really really good. However, their back court, <laughs> I had to go look up who was in their back court because I was like, is Jameer Nelson still their point guard? Like, what's going on here? (laughs) (laughs) That's a deep cut. What's going on here? And so, like, I actually had to pull it up. DJ Augustine? (laughs) (laughs) So, their back court with such great names as Cole Anthony, Jalen Suggs, Gary Harris, who I thought retired because there's another Gary that played for the – Gary Neal, who played on the on the Spurs, How I thought dare Gary you. Spurs was Gary Neal, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that's oh yeah, and Markel Fultz, Markel yep. Fultz, anybody, and that's, and that's actually who, Come on. who I wanted to get yeah. to, Mr. Twelve and Twelve yeah, himself, exactly. So Put some respect on his name. None of their guards are averaging over twelve points. I think there's one that's averaging over five point five assists right now, but still, right their their backcourt is is atrocious. There's actually one thing that they can do to ensure they continue to lose games. Shockingly, this is a sentence I'm going to say in 2023, but if they don't play Markel Fultz, they will lose games. <laughs> they are 5-16 and 16 <laughs> without Markel Fultz, 12-12 oh and 12 with him. And so, so with stat. him, they are right exactly, exactly average. In average, the middle level, ground floor, not where we want to be. We want to be in the cellar. So what we can do, it's honestly, it's easy. This stuff writes itself. Markel comes to them. All, all they need to say is like, hey, Markel has another shoulder problem. We don't know what's going on. And they can provide some grainy footage of him trying to shoot again and not bad. But if they if they don't play Markel Fultz, then they're gonna then they're gonna be in the cellar. And uh, you know, they have a long way to go to be I think they're five games better than the Hornets and like seven or eight games better than the Pistons right now. But they sit Markel. Uh, turns out their other guards are not particularly interested in doing anything remotely good with the basketball. And so while they have amazing finishers, they don't really have anybody to initiate or organize the offense. Apparently Markel's their guy, so they sit him. They're going to suck. They're going to do really bad. So the Orlando Magic should should sit Markel Fultz is what I'm saying. <laughs> I love it. All right. I have the San Antonio Spurs. Pride and joy of the 
Southwest. <laughs> can't can can so can't say, So look, looking up and down their roster, it's it's real rough. <laughs> like it's real rough. And oh, uh, I cannot imagine them being any better than they are right now, outside of some coach pop wizardry. And if they have any more missed time from Devin Vassell or Keldon Johnson, then they're seriously just going to tank. And we kind of saw that with Vassell's recent absence. Like they were just awful when he was gone. And they've now fallen to 14th in the West. They're fourth in the race to the basement odds, giving them a 12.5% chance for the first pick, 48% chance for a top four. Um, and honestly, with how bad their roster is, I'm surprised they're not even worse. They have a lot of reason for Wemby Hope, though, because their offense is 27th in the league. Their defense is 30th in the league. Bluntly, they have the worst roster. They're probably the worst team. They may even be worse than the Rockets, notwithstanding the record, just as they're constructed. And it could get even worse if they were to trade guys like Pirtle, Josh Richardson, Doug McDermott. And I think that's there's a good chance those guys get moved because they're going to be one of the few sellers. So the, the the hope for Wemby or Scoot is real high, real high in San Antonio. And I think more than any other team, they need one of those two guys because their recent draft history has looked real poor. Blake Wesley and Malachi Bronham are barely playing, not contributing at all. And Jeremy Sohan is, has not looked very good. He's definitely going to be a project that we expect him to be. He's too small to be a five, but he's a non-shooter. So having a guy like Wemby next to him is a perfect fit if he becomes the guy going forward. The only exciting players they have on their team are, are Johnson and Vassell, and there's really nothing else to look forward to. So for the sake of the people of San Antonio and for this organization that has been a sort of a staple of the NBA, the playoff picture for the last two decades, Let's get some Victor Wembanyama or Scoot Henderson. Can't sleep on him either. I think it's a great fit there in San Antonio. Notwithstanding the comments by Deontay <laughs> Murray recently, I think we, at least the, the reputation is that they have a great culture, especially for international players. So another reason <clears throat> that Wemby would be a great fit. Detroit. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I really, I, this, this, exercise uh, helped reveal to me that I have forgiven Detroit for the 2004 finals. It has time does heal all <laughs> wounds because I have a lot of sympathy towards Detroit. And I think they're one of, in my opinion, one of the iconic franchises, all, all the people who all the players that come out of Detroit have so much pride in that city. And obviously we love Detroiters. And so so let's go. I feel like that has to do more with your forgiveness process. Like, next time. Oh. <laughs> next time. Next time when they ask Kyle so Kuzin where he's from, you know what he's going to say? Detroit City. But anyway, with that. <laughs> so Detroit I really City. Man. Oh. And we're getting and back on what? our feet, man. We're I went into this really thinking that the Detroit Pistons were getting back in, on their feet. I have had optimism about them for a long time. And honestly... This exercise has also revealed that there is a lot less reason for optimism than even I thought. Goodness gracious, this team is bad. Uh, there is, I, I keep looking for like a stat, like, like just like one stat, like one thing that one guy is really doing well to just like trumpet and be like, this is where Detroit's headed. And the closest thing is Jalen Duran. 
grabbing a bunch, grabbing a bunch of rebounds <laughs> and playing to have decent yeah. defense at age 19, which is great. Um, and then watching Cade highlights because obviously that's, you know, um, that's, that's where this really went off the rails for this season. The interesting thing is, is I think they're, they're pulling some OKC SGA shenanigans with Cade because it's like a, it's like a, t- a fractured tibia shin injury that he, he sat out for a month saying that he was going to see if it might heal up and then decided to have season-ending surgery. And so it wasn't even a situation where he had the surgery right away. They had like a grace period, and then he had the surgery. And I think that was I, my guess, or my I guess my most benevolent reading of that is that Detroit knew what their job was this season, and their job is to position themselves for one of these guys because they need help. I, you know, but they also are having a little bit of an identity crisis because, I mean, a couple seasons in a row, they keep signing these veteran dudes to kind of fill up the statute form. Jeremy Grant first, now Boyan. The the reports on whether, on their willingness to trade Boyan is, are all over the place. I have to imagine they're going to be a seller because that's, that's the, I mean, among the, the guys who seem to be gettable, that's, that's a prize. Boyan is a prize. Any team can use him. He's playing incredibly yeah. well this season. Basically 50-40-90. Um, just having these quarters where he pours it on and, and gets his team into the game. You know, I honestly, it, the, as for the young guys who should be part of their future, it, I, Killian Hayes, is his, his shooting is just in the dumps. I don't know if he, I don't know if they can look at him as, as a long-term piece. And unfortunately they're going to have to start making decisions about these guys soon. Killian is going to be extension eligible the end of this season. I don't think he's getting an extension. Jalen Duran and Jalen and Jaden Ivy are both signed long-term obviously because they're rookies. Cade is one year behind them, but Cade is only going to have one more season after this before he's extension eligible. This is wow. this is this is a rough situation. Sadiq Bay, his shooting has gotten worse every season. The last three seasons, he's still good from the corners, but otherwise, his three point shooting is all over the place. So, I I really wanted to just like trumpet Detroit as like the next frisky team, but they very well may fit the bill of just like uh, Bruno Caboclo being two years away from being two years away, and. And I'm, I mean, they, I think Cade is still that guy. I think, I think Cade, he, the way he plays with such a, a measured pace and the way that he can be a three level scorer, even though his shooting numbers are still aren't very good and his passing and his size, I think, I still think he can be that guy, but it may very well be a Shea situation where he starts showing it on his second contract because I don't see them, unless they get Scooter Wemby, I don't see them surrounding him with anything to to give him a chance to show it until then at least unfortunately so you know detroit city motown love motown love stevie wonder live forever stevie peace out beautiful (laughs) beautiful inspiring wow isn't she lovely (laughs) single tear all right chase take take us to the queen city City. oh (laughs) the queen city wow so uh it's uh it's rough and tumble over in Charlotte right now. It's uh 
not happy times. And I don't think the season got off to a very good start with with the bad vibes that were sent everywhere from <coughs> Miles Bridges off court issues. I don't think that sat very well. I think it's always been a weird situation for most folks in Charlotte, like living under the shadow of Michael Jordan as your owner. And he's not this like, hey, been there, done that, like, hey, guys, like... You know, people, you know, still obviously touted as the greatest player of all time with, you know, LeBron behind him, arguably. But LeBron and MJ could not be two, like, more different people in regards to how they could be a leader around folks. Michael Jordan's like, look, you just got to, like, you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to pick you up off the floor when you fall. Right. It's interesting because it just feels like there's not a whole ton of bought in leadership amongst the team that is bought into like any kind of system because I don't think Charlotte as an organization, like again, with the eye check with, uh, because of, because of this exercise combing through local news articles, it just doesn't feel like, and I'll make some quotes here about what Charlotte beat writers and, and their news outlets think about their own team. It's just like not a fun place right now despite the veterans on the team playing quite well. I will start out, though, a highlight of the season for me being Dennis Smith Jr.'s resurgence. He started off as a rookie, averaging like 15 points a game. Injuries fell off. And now he's he's back to having his highest total since the 2018-2019 season, including minutes played, which is really great to see. But again, Miles not having returned to the court, and LaMelo Ball having sprained, hurt, injured his ankle for the third time this season. Sports Illustrated just reported, at least from an opinion perspective, that they're, they're definitely headed towards a rebuild. A rebuild in the second half of the season. So things are looking dire there, right? And 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 look, I, I took a look at some of the... I'll throw some... At this point, we're talking about seconds. We're not talking about firsts. Anyway, keep going. Come on, Come on, Terry. Come on, Terry. (laughs) Scary Terry, who, by the way, just came off of a 34-point night tonight, leading a 19-point comeback win over Atlanta. (laughs) I love to see Atlanta lose. No offense if there are any listeners. Sorry, sorry, Uh, Dustin. Sorry, Dustin. Sorry, sorry, Dustin. Um, So it's – but Terry and Gordon Hayward are both – essentially on the trading block. You know that a team is entering into a rebuild when they're looking to offload their veterans to get as much value in return as they possibly can. And they're in a good spot to do that. One big point I'm making here as to why Charlotte should continue on their way to the basement is because their veterans are playing well. Terry's playing very well as of late. Gordon has proven he's still relevant, at least in the league. Hornets are fielding calls right now. Like, it it isn't rumors. Like, they are fielding calls for both of them and they're in and they're at least listening to teams offers right now so they're looking to offload their veterans they're on their way down to the basement right again lamello ball being hurt after stepping on his own teammate's foot three days ago for the third it's it's rough times and by the way raise your hand if you knew this steve clifford their head coach is now oh the winningest my, coach oh in wow. the franchise history as of the past wow. week. second no. stint right yeah and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't know if he would even 
like really feel like he deserves or wants a congratulations at this point. And that, because that is just the bottom headline of all the other headlines Mm. that are more impactful and interesting to talk about this team. Right. Isn't that like absolutely bizarre? Like really it's they're second to last in offensive rating. They're second to last in effective field goal percentage, fourth to last in overall net rating. Shams says that they are a clear rebuilding team. And it was interesting. Bill Simmons made on his, made a prediction Mm -hmm. on his pod that MJ is going to sell his stake, uh, in the team pretty soon. I mean, he's going to make a really good return on his investment already because he bought, you know, he bought a chunk ages ago. I think I flipped it from 250 million to buy in as the majority owner now. And I think his stake is worth like 1.6 billion, which is like bonkers money. But to cap this off, uh, (laughs) to cap the, yeah, right. Who even knows, but like the, to cap it off the Charlotte observer, wrote an article. I'm not even going to read the article. The first line of the title of the article is the Charlotte Hornets season is toast. <laughs> that gives yep, you a lay of so area, Charlotte. They need, <laughs> <laughs> it is rough times. It's fire sale for the veterans. They're trying to get them out so they can get some value in return. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to sit Lamella ball out for a longer period of time. There's no rush for him to come back. He is the only glimmer of hope that that team. Yeah. Has right They're now. losing with him anyway. So <laughs> we'll see when he comes back, but they're bad, man. They are mm. bad. Eric, Eric Collins, Collins. Shout out. Ben, Eric Collins. One of the best, one of the best. Broadcasters. Get that man a good team. For sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Bro. Bro. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> well, he has. He's all right well let's keep the let's keep the good vibes going we're gonna go down to h town baby and let me tell you i'm just gonna i'm just gonna come out and lay my stake in the ground now this team does not this franchise we are now in the seventh circle this franchise of hell. does not deserve yeah. webby okay the incompetence that they have shown and continue to show is absurd i'm gonna throw some stats out that are um very 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 bad so everyone just prepare yourselves so this team and this is not gonna be surprising to anybody to hear if you've spent any amount of time watching this team they're 30th on offense they're 28th on defense which was honestly shocking to me because their defense is atrocious they have a negative negative <laughs> like there are two teams it's insane worse than negative <laughs> 7.9 net rating that which is good for 29th in the league they have a point dif- differential for the year of negative 355 <laughs> they're currently 10 and 35 which is good for dead last in the league they lost their 13th game in a row tonight to the minnesota timberwolves after leading for part of that game but the fun is just getting started boys so let's talk about why this team's going to finish dead last by the end of the season and i'm going to start with the offensive side of their game first so they're 30th in assists at 22.1 a game. Their leader in assists is Kevin Porter Jr. at 5.6 per game. They don't have any other guys on their team that are above (laughs) 3.6 assists per game. (laughs) It's comical. Not a lot of ball movement. They're dead last in turnovers. They average 16.7 turnovers a game. They take the ninth most threes, but their their three-point percentage is good for 29th in the league. So they're not doing the best at this. Uh, they're surprisingly fourth in rebounds, which was kind of a shock for me to see, but maybe that and, maybe that's and the, the number of who's say, all, yeah, all the those bitches. All those <laughs> bitches. Yeah. For sure. And that's true. That's a better that's that's a better uh, better way to say it. Yes. Um 
their <laughs> their top yeah. three shot takers on this team are Jalen Green, again, not surprising. Kevin Porter Jr., also not surprising. And Jabari Smith. The three of those guys together are shooting a combined 41% from the field. They're dead last in field goal percentage. Uh, let's move to the defensive side. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spout out a ton of a ton of uh, stats uh, on this side of the 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 game because all you have to do is tune into a, a Rockets game for five minutes, and you'll see how bad their their defense is. Their transition defense is atrocious. They're 28th, like I said, on defense. If you want to be entertained, I mean, if we're speaking from a an entertainment factor. Tune into a game and just uh, just watch Steven Silas's face on the sideline. He looks like a disappointed dad, like ninety seven percent of the game. It's it's honestly he's like he's past like anger sad. now. He's past I, anger uh, now. I never want to have kids. Again. It's 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 so bad, guys. So to me, the story that all these stats tells is a couple things. So number one, the the team is super young, right? They're they're second. They're the second youngest team in the league behind OKC. And they basically play like an AAU team. They're super ISO heavy. Well, again, they they basically never pass the ball. Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green have the ball a lot. They don't pass the ball very often. They don't make great decisions. There's not a lot of great coaching going on with this team. Not a lot of great veteran leadership on the team right now. It's obvious. I mean, it's clear that they have talent, right? They've got... I. I I haven't given up hope completely for Jalen Green. I, I haven't loved what I've seen so far, but I think Jabari Smith, there's still hope for him. He's been pretty disappointing this season. Um, Alperin Shangoon, Shangoonies never say die. Uh, he's been <laughs> he's been fun. Tari Eason is another another fun guy. But but my thing with this team is like, where is the team going? What's the plan? What's the you know at, at the sort of franchise level, the organizational level? What's the actual plan in terms of trying to get back to a place where they're actually winning basketball games? And if the answer is bring in James Harden, um, I'm sorry to tell you that I, I, I think that's a terrible idea. I just the, the style they're playing right now, it's not going to equate to winning basketball. Not now, not ever. And lastly, I just want to say hashtag free Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon is the... Thanks, physical embodiment of the <laughs> crying Michael Jordan meme. Dude, he's so checked out. I was watching some of the Timberwolves Rockets game tonight. And I'm like, this dude does not want to be here. It's bad. I, I've thought, I've thought more out, about my man. proposal to the league about instituting a clause <laughs> that allows 10 year veterans to uh, opt out of a team nope. that is tanking. I'm, I'm yeah, I think it's a great idea. No, I think awesome. it's a great yes. idea. Yes. What, what like at, the, at the very least, vets, like, you know? like protect them from like fines and stuff. You know what I mean? Like and give, the team give them like some protection because of the time they've put in. Yeah. If a player does it. I love that. You know? Yeah. I mean, right. they're not going to have to yeah. pay the salary. I'm not saying like they have to keep pay paying the guy. Like they're opting out of their salary. It wouldn't yeah. be a common occurrence, but Eric Gordon would do it. Even if he was yeah. going to go get league minimum somewhere else, you know he would do it. It almost feels like... Yeah, he would rather take his chances. He would rather not receive an NBA paycheck and bet on himself no, to go find to another go. It, it almost feels like this team needs Wemby in order to like actually get back on track because if they don't get a guy like that, or, or I mean, Scoot would be interesting. I Kevin Porter Jr. needs to go like yesterday. Yes. But if, if they don't get a, a culture changer or a guy that can rise above the crappy culture that you have. I just, I don't know where this team's going, man. 
Yeah. Can we bring up John Wall's <laughs> quote real quick? Oh yeah. On these guys, but if you yes. if you play this way, you go to any yeah. other team, you're out yeah. of the effing league. You know, is what he said. And it's true. The and way they response, play the AU ball, you said. Yeah, but it's sweet. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's awesome. And I love I think it's, way. I think it's that, that approach trickles down from the very top. <laughs> Tillman Fertitta is, is just screwing around. That when they made the Harden that. trade it's, and yeah. decided. It's a top down problem. A, just elected to, yeah, just to just, just not take Jared move Allen back. Jared That's Allen when you, for no uh, reason. Yep. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then, yeah. And then, and then take, uh, end up with Oladipo instead of Levert. Just absolutely, it, it, we all knew where this was going. That he was going to try to cut costs and put put someone at coach who was not going to, you know, complain or cause problems. Who was just going to ha- be happy to be there. There was I. I don't think there. I I I would be. It would be a crime to send Victor there right now. Absolutely. So who's so who's that? Who is everyone voting for to get the number one pick? I'm gonna. I'll, I'll throw my vote out first. I want to. I would like to see him go to the Pistons because I would. I want to see Wemby and Cade and Jaden Ivey and Durant. I mean, they just they they've got a fun thing going there, and I think adding him to the mix would would be awesome. Um, I'm gonna vote for him to go to the Magic because if you've got Bull Bull, why not add Victor? <laughs> it would be. It would be it. so <laughs> magic for them to add have Victor playing shooting guard like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like like Kevin yeah. Durant his rookie year. <laughs> next next year's lineup <laughs> next year's starting lineup will literally be Wendell Carter Jr., Paolo, yeah. Franz, Victor, and Bol Bol. Not one player shorter than six. Like a monsters team. I'm here for it. You've got Victor and Bol Bol standing on each other's shoulders that can reach up and like clean the rafters but, of the arena. Like legitimately with like yeah, the skills work. of those five yeah. guys, they, they could, could probably do, do it. Yeah. Jonathan Isaac is six man, you know. And then Terrence Ross just hanging around, <laughs> always just, perpetually uh, just, in the Magic back uh, bench. Yep. Terrence Ross are trying to do his best yeah. Udonis Haslam impression. It's working. If I had to, if I had to vote for a team, oh man, the international. Um, culture set by the jazz is a model that was set by the spurs and the and the successful run that the spurs made because they combined a lot of guy really talented guys of very different perspectives to come to that team and be under popovich be under this model of like very very <clears throat> strict mentality very disciplined mentality i think I think Victor would do well going there, and I think the Spurs should get Wembenyama for a similar reason because of because of their success, their track record with taking care of international like players and providing them with with leadership, with mentorship. Um, I so I'm torn. I think no team in the league needs it more than the Spurs, and I also think it'd be a good fit because of the international history that they have. But just out of like pure basketball fit and joy and who could benefit from it immediately, I say Pistons yep. with Vic and Scoot yeah. in Orlando. Like, yes. that, that would just be gorgeous. I think my second place is is actually Charlotte, as no one's, no one's mentioned, just because cause Lamelo and, and Victor would be kind of fun, pretty fun together. Mm. Um but I'm yeah I'm I'm putting okay. Detroit basketball okay. first. Um, that would be fun. I'm also certain that that 
MJ would be yeah, no, yeah. incapable totally. of being accomplished. That's roster my worry, right? Like yeah. I, don't, I don't want I don't want to reward incompetence. That's, yeah. like Houston, it's Charlotte. Not, it, no. Let's be real. The, with the new work. flattened lottery, lottery odds, it's going to be like the team with the eighth uh, best odds. Indiana. If I could choose <laughs> a team best outside odds, of these yeah, five, I'm going Indiana. Send him to Indiana. Sure. 100. Benny, Tyrese. Oh man, I think I think oh. chef's kiss. <laughs> we'll take him in FKC. I mean, if he wants to come yeah. to Oklahoma City, like, well, obviously. Yeah, well, I mean, it'd be great if he did. Shot it back. <laughs> if that were my uh, choice, he'd come to my team, but I'm just saying, I don't know. Uh, I love it. Well, should we, we should, should we get Let's some get mud, mud pies Let's get over stinky. Here? Let's get to this mud pies <laughs> so we can go to bed. It's stinky. So this week's mud pie revolves around some of the comments made by players in uh over the last couple of weeks it's been a while since we've recorded so some of these are like a week old but uh, you know i'm a fan of this new player empowerment era i like that they're speaking more that they're going on podcasts i think it's very interesting to hear what they have to say but there is sort of that other side to having more freedom to speak your mind and that's that guys can just let their ego just shine and they can say whatever they want and often organizations can't go against them or anything. So we had a handful of, of comments recently. A couple of them that I considered for this was D'Angelo Russell saying, you either take advantage of me and my ability or F up the opportunity with me, which is so the reason he's not getting the mud pie this week is because the Timberwolves have been doing a little bit better. And D'Angelo has been a part of that. Ant-Man has led the way, but DR has been playing a little bit better. But it's definitely a mini mud pie because, I mean, this whole year, he's supposed to be one of the leaders. He's supposed to be the third guy on that team, and he has not been good. So his ego is speaking a little more loudly than his playing. Uh, the second one was uh, Jay Crowder talking about how he was pushed out, blindsided. And this one, I'm not giving him the mud pie because I, I don't know what the truth of the situation is but I don't buy it for a second. Yeah. I think the Suns would have him back tomorrow yeah. if they could. Yeah, so I think it's bogus, but I don't know. So he doesn't get the mud pie. We also had DeJounte Murray speaking on Steven Jackson's pod about the Spurs. And this is one of the ones where it's not a mud pie because I kind of like what he had to say. I like hearing the stuff that happens in the background that we don't get to hear very often. And I, and I don't think his story is not credible or anything. Like it sounds like it's definitely true whatever but i i also think he was showing a lot of ego and not giving some respect to the team that developed him into an all-star like yeah they may have put him through some tough stuff but he became what he is you know but the last one and who my mud pie goes to and this is clearly a mud pie out of bias for me for sure <laughs> but it goes to mr draymond green let's go i'm shocked shocked I goes to you. draymond who said <laughs> Talking about the video where he punched his teammate Jordan Poole, he says, that video was put out there like that to portray me the exact way it did. <laughs> Which is just a gem of a quote because yeah. it portrays me exactly right, Your Honor. Your Honor, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> no, I never put my feet on Charlie Murphy's couch. So, <laughs> yeah, I put my feet on Charlie Murphy's couch. <laughs> Look, look, uh, he's not wrong. Like, obviously, the video got leaked, and most videos from practices don't get leaked, and there's all the questions about what they're going to do with him and his contract and not wanting to pay him, and so there's there's all that stuff. So I'm not getting on him for that. 
Yeah. It's that he says anything Move about on, that punch video at all. Like it's still you <laughs> aggressively punching your teammate, not in the middle of a fight. You're not yelling and shoving and then it leads to blows. It's just a yeah. guy walking up and punching his teammate. Not I don't care game. what the background not is. Not in a game. Don't practice. Don't try practice. Don't try to defend the video. Don't try to defend the punch at all. <laughs> you know, that's a mud pie. Trying to defend that even a little bit. That's a mud pie. Yeah. Right here. 100%. I love how you ranked that list of those, ex- of those scenarios or situations you presented. He's definitely the most deserving. And, and it's also something else to understand. Dr- Draymond is a very savvy, uh, well-connected, well-educated in regards to things outside of basketball. He's done so well with his career, his networking. Like he rubs shoulders with like tons and tons of very powerful, influential people. Like for him, like he thinks big, like run for governor of Michigan someday. Uh, Like, like he's like, he knows how to leverage his situation for the better. (laughs) Why? Like how... Like, exactly, exactly. That's my point is like, why, how does he not see like literally the next word out of his mouth about the video as anything other than more gas on a fire? Like, I don't know why he like, like from a PR perspective, someone who probably told him, dude, shut up and move on. Why would he not listen to that? Somebody in the Nards in game five. (laughs) game four. Obviously, I read the funniest and most egregious part of the quote and not the entire thing. Like, you guys are going to say, and like, I'm not defending the punch. Like, obviously, it was wrong then. It's wrong now. You know, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He's not just like well, saying he, like, oh, well, they're just showing this video. No, he, he knows what he did. But it's just that that one part of the quote. Well, and he even, was making the case even in that, the context, that the Warriors are basically trying to Crowder him. But which will be fun to see him mentoring Victor Wembanyama in Detroit next year. It'd be great. I mean, he straight up said. That's the thing. He took he the also bait. Said like the writing's on the wall. So this is gonna be interesting. Fireworks, baby. Good stuff. That oh. was a great, great mud pie moment. All right. Yeah, All right, fellas. Yeah. Well, it's almost two o'clock here, so <laughs> I should probably go to bed. Good night. Good night. Oh, Peace out, y'all. Good night. Diva. Thanks, yeah. Pat. Seriously. You get the shield. Oh, yeah. the real MVP. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. No sacco for me. <laughs>